In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Alan Spencer, Global Business Development Director for Amphenol Procom, based in Denmark and the UK. Alan has been a part of Amphenol for 10 years and has worked in the antenna industry for over 30 years. We talk about the history of Amphenol Procom and how three unique companies combined into one. We talk about the vast antenna product portfolio from Procom. We talk about pushing the technology envelope with new custom designs so they're not just a E2 company. And we talk about the evolution of antennas in his time and how he sees the technology moving in the near future. This is The Interface. You and I were together last week in in Phoenix, Arizona for the military and aerospace sales meeting, which I know is not part of the group that you're in, but for the second year in a row, you came to uh, the meeting there and a little cross-pollinization. I think you guys... Um, trying to break a little bit more into the to the military and aerospace market, but what is what was that experience like for you last week as you went through that meeting again for the second time? Yeah, I, I think you know what I see uh, with different divisions, and we generally work in different markets. There's so much opportunity for us to really push our Amphenol advantage. You know, when you know, I look at we, we heavily work in critical communications and right. arguably you could say critical communications are military networks as well. And um, the critical communications that we're most heavily involved in are for public safety. So police, fire, uh, emergency medical services, that sort of thing. And their networks, they need to be robust, reliable. And, and usually there's a safety of life element in there that when they come to use that radio network, it's because the time is the most critical that they're up against it and they just need the system to work. And, you know, I think when I look at that, I can see that there's a similarity between that. And the more I dive into it, I see a similarity between that and with the uh, the AMAO uh, side of the business. But mm-hmm. also, I think what's more important is that when I see, when we look at all the different products that we have um, in the military division, and then we add on what Amphenol Procom offer antennas, filters, and combiners. We really have a huge advantage over any of our competitors in that market. And we really can push that kind of one source philosophy and that we can really push the Amphenol advantage. Um, let's give an example of sure. what, what I uh, uh, saw as an Amphenol advantage. Uh, actually, think about the meeting. It, it came out uh, a week before the meeting. I was in New York City. And uh, I was meeting a customer, and we were going through uh, what he was doing. And um, he had several issues that he wanted resolving in his systems. And some of those system issues were he needed cables, connectors, antennas. And every time he came up with a problem, he said, oh, yeah, we can put you in touch with this Amphenol group. We can put you in touch with this Amphenol group. And he just commented, he said, there seems to be an Amphenol for everything. <laughs> and I said, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so. So, yeah, I think, you know, it just inspired me even more to say, actually, you know, within the military division, we can really, really make some headway in this division going together and really pushing this Antonio advantage. Sure. And and I could see it as being a perfect complement to what the, the military and aerospace group are, are already doing. Um, and, of course, it doesn't happen overnight. So it takes time to do this. It takes years to really build, I think. Uh, some trust and some some understanding of what Procom can do in the marketplace, and I'm sure you're getting there. And these meetings can only help. But to go 
to, to just talk about Amphenol ProCom for a second. Give me a little background on what they're about, because I know there's a long history there, a number of different uh, businesses that have combined into one over the years, because they've been around for a long time. But just give me a little oh, bit yeah. of history of of how these businesses and everything that they've done became Amphenol ProCom over the last really 60 plus years. Yeah, absolutely. So, um where do we start? Let's start with uh, J-Beam. So J-Beam was uh, an English brand, um, celebrated its 80th birthday just uh, just two years ago. Um, uh, so that was a long wow. historical brand. Yeah. Um, there's um, There was a competitor of ours in the UK called Skymaster, and they, they were going for about 30 or 40 years. And uh, Procom as well, which are going back 30 or 40 years. So if I zoom forward a little bit in the timeline and get to 2008, in 2008, uh, Amphenol decided to buy JB. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, I joined then, it was called Amphenol JB. I joined Amphenol JB in 2010. Between 2010 and 2015, um, I think just globally the sales for antennas just softened a lot. And then that made uh, a good opportunity for a lot of companies to start then thinking about acquisitions. So we had our competitors uh, buying each other out. And one of those competitors bought the other one out. So Procom uh, bought the SkyMask business. Mm -hmm. uh, that was 2014. So now comes 2015. Then uh, the old Amphenol J-Beam business uh, that then had been rebranded to Amphenol Antenna Solutions um, then bought uh, the uh, the Procom SkyMask uh, uh, companies. So then we get to 2015, and even now you're probably thinking, "Hang on, all these brands are confusing me. Where were we at?" <laughs> so we had to go through a rebranding exercise as well. So, so 2015, we bought these kind of three brands into one group, and we called it Amphenol Procom. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a, a change. You know, these historical brands they mean a lot to some customers. You know, they still sometimes refer to as, as Procom or just refer to us as J-Beam, or refer to us just as SkyMask. But mm -hmm. really, we're trying to make the effort just to stop confusing the market. We are Amphenol Procom. Yeah, I almost need, we need to, I think, uh, supplement this podcast episode with a diagram chart of all this, uh, <laughs> of all this movement over the years. <laughs> I've been involved in a lot of it, and sometimes I don't know. <laughs> but, I have to check my business card, which company I work for now. <laughs> but, but at least now we know it, it's Amphenol ProCom. So basically, the the bottom line is all of these businesses over the years uh, that specialized in 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 high performance ruggedized antenna solutions for um, uh, mostly mostly commercial applications all combine into one, and now they fall under one umbrella, which is Amphenol ProCom. Is that accurate? Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. So just talk about your products for a second. If you could just talk about the product portfolio of what Amphenol ProCom does. Uh, how would you how would you describe that? I know I'm asking you a lot here, but but go ahead. This, no, is, this is your chance. It, I've got about 7,000 products, so this is going to be a long class if you want me to talk Okay, about start it. with number one, then we'll work our way up. <laughs> Well, number one, let's, let's categorize them and make it shorter, shall we? Sure. So uh, <laughs> we look at um, so base station antennas and marine antennas. So that okay. would be the first category. So these are typically, base station antennas are typically infrastructure antennas. That's what we're saying there. And infrastructure antennas come in many different shapes and sizes. Um, they could be an omnidirectional antenna, which, as it says, it's 
sensor signal in an omnidirection, uh, or it could be a directional type antenna. So we're pointing the signal in a specific uh, defined area. Uh, marine antennas are for uh, shipping vessels, fishing vessels, and shipping vessels. Okay. Then we have um, part of that is uh, next complements that is combiners. So maybe sometimes we want to combine three antennas into one system or three systems into one antenna. So we have combiners. You know, I was going to uh, ask. I, I didn't. I didn't know what combiners were. So that was something I was actually going to ask you. Yeah, so it's just I, I'm not the, uh, with fields and combiners. I'm not the great uh, uh, technical guru on that. My my skills really with antennas. But yeah, it's simply to uh, to combine signals into one radio or combine multiple radios into one signal. Just one way or the other, you can do that through many different channels: three, four, six, eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have mobile antennas. So. You know, in, in our world, we would say mobile radio. Um, in the military world, we would say ground vehicles. And actually, there's a lot of similarity between the products we use um, in the two, uh, two different markets. We just changed the language. So, for instance, uh, a product that we just launched uh, last year was a product called Profin Plus. It's like a fin antenna that you'll find on top of your know, everyday normal, let's say BMW, for instance. Mm-hmm. Actually, what's under there is something that's really quite uh, quite different, um, and it enables uh, police cars or buses or trams that have got high data demands. So they've got multiple LTE leads, multiple LTE antennas, therefore, um, to allow these... Uh, everybody knows what a police car looks like. If you can think of what's inside them, um, there's lots of demand for... Um, Image uh, caption, so right. being able to record live time, real time uh, live feed. There's uh, data going back and forward in order to be able to check your documents. Or there's also uh, location based services. There's also uh, Wi-Fi because they want to upload and download software when they get in back into the station, whatever. And that's kind of a, a police world. Well, actually, that high data demand exists in the military world as well, but we just don't use the words LTE. Mm-hmm. We use the words S-band, C-band, L-band. And, and actually, they're on the same frequency. So our antenna, we, all we need to do with our antennas is just to change the language we use in our marketing tools. Really? The antenna will work in both markets. So uh, so that's quite interesting. It's, and that's kind of the discovery I'm on with our product range at the moment when I'm trying to look into different markets so um they, they, i think there's a lot more crossover like that as well um portable antennas well again this is crossover it's, portable antennas for us is today about more or less about police radios two-way radios um but um it's exactly the same technology same technique same manufacturing tools that are needed to produce manpack antennas or antennas for the military for handsets then we uh, we have a range of products for uh, DAS, uh, which is a distributed antenna systems. So okay. we enjoy really strong LTE network coverage outside when we're outside of our factories. And this is about how you make sure you factories, houses, homes. This is about how you make sure you have good network coverage indoors. And that's what DAS is: it's distributing taking the signal from outside, bringing it inside, distributing it throughout your uh, factory, your office. Right. Block uh, and making sure you've got a good, reliable signal there. And so we supply some of the product for that, um, which is predominantly antennas and the passive devices such as the splitters. And then we have uh, filtering products. So 
with everything I just described, there's a huge amount of RF noise out there. Sure. And in, in order to optimize your systems, uh, we use filtering so we can have bandpass filters, for instance, so where we let parts of the band pass that we want to get into our system and reject the noise from everything else. So that's kind of a, 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 a brief overview of our product range. Right. But today, our, our focus is, is mostly into public safety, uh, into hazardous uh, environments such as oil and gas industries, uh, into utility companies, into telecoms, uh, into Internet of Things, um, transportation, and aviation. So aviation is uh, another crossover we've got, so that's part of the AMO group. Uh, and where we are with that is mostly ground-to-air communications. Okay. Um, and we already have a full line of products for the military uh, for that as well. Um, military ground-to-air works at 225 to 400 megs, and we've been selling that product for 30-plus years. So uh, so there's a good crossover there. So as I said, I think I've got something like 7,000 products. Yeah. Uh, and there's six product groups. So it's a lot to manage. And, and in truth, um, you know, we tend to manage a top 50 or something like that. Um, once you've designed an antenna, not much changes then until maybe the network just gets phased out and someone builds a different, a slightly different frequency and you start all over again. So there isn't a, a huge cycle in, involved in that. So I would say, you know, that the products really are a highly reliable product. And, you know, that's a kind of a, a fixed catalog products list that I gave you. But actually, where we're in a huge amount of our business, um, providing there's a business case, is we're flexible. We will design products for our customers as well, specifically for their application. Because what we do know is that um, every time I turn up to a customer with a new product, they say, yeah, we like that, but can we just have it like this? Sure. That's sure. Say, uh, so we, we customize it to fit their solution. And I say, as long as there's a business case with it, we'll, we'll take that on. Are there certain uh, technologies that you have within Amphenol Procom or even capabilities uh, from a manufacturing or design engineering standpoint that you think makes you guys unique in the marketplace of, of these type of antenna systems and products that you just talked about? Oh, oh definitely. Um, I think, you know, there's, I could probably look at all of our product categories, but uh, uh, one or two I'll, I'll, I'll point out. Um, one of the products is uh, the 42X X range of antennas. So to explain that, they're omnidirectional antennas used in infrastructure. So, um, uh, you could say some of these are used on LTE networks, some of them are used in public safety networks. Um, these are kind of really high-powered, heavy-duty antennas. You'd, you'd see standing on top of a, a mast in the middle of a field somewhere. So some of the unique attributes of this product is uh, it's not just the mechanical attributes uh, that it has where these things can uh, withstand direct lightning strikes and withstand wind speeds of 186 miles an hour. Which wow. I think is about a Hurricane Force 5. Yeah. But the, the, we, we do some really cool electrical stuff with that as well, the RS stuff inside as well. So uh, when you, if you can picture that tower again in the field, if you're standing directly below it, um, antennas have a nasty habit of having a hole directly in their pattern directly below um, the antenna or directly above the antenna. Mm. In some cases, that's not that's not a problem. Um, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you just want to shoot the signal out as far as you can. That's that's fine. But if you're in a city and you're trying to cover maybe smart metering, you'll want to cover what's below the tower 
as well as as far out into the suburbs as you can go. I see. And yeah. so we have a, a, a technique which we call null fill. So that gap below is called a null. And by the sounds of null fill, guess what we do? We fill that null. Uh, so we improve the coverage below the antenna. Now, one thing that we found uh, with a different application we were working for in aviation, ADSB, is uh, ADSB. If you've ever used Flight Tracker mm-hmm. and you've seen an airplane in the sky, you've looked at your flight tracking and gone, oh, I wonder where that plane's going. That sends a load of information down from the aircraft down to ground stations and then out to uh, the cloud somewhere, and that data's being pulled in from your phone app from that cloud. Mm-hmm. Well, that data goes going from the air to the ground. That hits a ground station. That needs an antenna to do that. We have ADS ground station antennas, ADSB antennas to do that. But the opposite now from having downwards null fields, we need upwards null field because there's also a hole above the antenna. And of course, being a ground station, you've got aircraft flying over the antenna. If you don't fill that null field in, you're not going to get your signal there. So we have upwards null field as well. And then some of the attributes that we have there, we other things we pay real close attention to is pin performance, which is passive intermodulation. And I think right. that could be a whole new podcast for yourself chris so i won't <laughs> go there we're just we're just we're just take it as red uh, yeah, but I, it's a really... yeah i've i've seen the term before i mean working with times microwave systems i know they they talk a lot about low pim cables and stuff like that yeah yeah and it's so important if you've got multiple carriers and multiple channels coming in and out of your uh, your rf system um, they get mixed up and it can cause lots of things. Let's just say it causes interference but uh, or drop calls or lots of other things. But they're, they're things you have to pay attention to. Sure. Um, and, and also uh, PIP, which is kind of digital power. It's peak instantaneous power. Um, and we have to, product that we have to design, to, uh, what do you want to say, pay special attention to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Um, so this 42X range, I mean, honestly, really is the best uh, um, on the directional cleaners in the market, second to none. And so one of the other products I really like is the, uh, I described earlier, this Profin Plus. And one of the unique attributes to this product is we started to look at 5G for this Profin Plus. And so it will cover 5G, but also for the US market, uh, it's unique. that It will cover low-bound 5G, which is being used by T-Mobile. Nobody's offering that in the US at the moment. Nobody's got a product that can cover the uh, the frequency band that T-Mobile are using. So uh, this is quite a unique product, as well as it's high-performing as well, and we can put an external antenna on there. So actually, what you can end up with in that antenna is five or six different bands. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a truly flexible uh, product. But uh, I think, you know, like I say, I think if I went through all of our product range, there's there's always something that we add to it to make it stand out from our competitors. And I think that's the only way you can be because otherwise, um, you know, you're just competing as being a me too supplier. And that's mm-hmm. something that we do. We, we always like to have a little speed bump in the road to keep our competitors uh, behind us. And then that speed bump is technology. Yeah, I love it. That That's great. What's What are the challenges, though? You kind of briefly brought it up as far as um, some of the technologies in the U.S., the challenges between, say, the technologies that you're trying to implement or work with in the U.S. versus versus Europe, where you're based in the U.K. and in and in Denmark, uh, uh, what what are those? What are some of those challenges like? Well, 
originally, um, when we were looking at public safety uh, networks, um, the rest of the world, apart from the US, was using a system called Tetra, or most of the rest of the world were using a system called Tetra. And Tetra is a low band, uh, a low frequency or lowish frequency uh, network. It covers 380 to 430 megs. So the lower you are in frequency, the more difficult it is to cover wide bands. But actually, we're starting to see a trend now in public safety where public safety is looking at LTE. Um, so this is a high frequency, and these are global bands then, or the higher in frequency, and we can make them wider bands, so we can just make one antenna fits all. So it's a global product. Um, so the, the challenges come really then with, uh, yeah, if you've got unique frequencies in each different country mm-hmm. for a public safety system, you've got to have then several different uh, models or variants of it. Um, but uh, I think more recently, since Tetra's come on, and now with LTE coming on, that uh, that's become less problematic um, because we can make antennas wider band the higher frequency they are. Um, so it's not so so difficult now. Uh, I think probably the more difficult comes with portable radio antennas. Uh, okay. Generally, people want really wide band portable antennas, and they're, they're quite inefficient and very difficult to make wide band. Um, but um, but still, it can be done. You've been involved or working in the antenna industry for a long time. So was that something that, you know, once you got out of school or, or anything like that, I'm not sure what your degree or your background was prior to, you know, getting into the, the working world. But just looking through some of the stuff you've done, you've been working with antennas for a long time. Was that something conscious or you just kind of fell into it early on and stayed with it? What was it about antennas? I, I think it was, it, it kind of met my needs. I, I wasn't one for education, to be perfectly honest. And when I got <laughs> to 16, I decided that uh, I just want to go out of money. And, uh, uh, Fair enough. Six months before. <laughs> Six months before, I, uh, I, uh, I done, we, we have like uh, work placement schemes in the UK. So mm-hmm. uh, when you're in your final year of school, you can go and experience what life uh, work life is. Uh, and you do it for like two weeks and you can, local companies to your school will, will advertise and then you can work in banks or not obviously doing anything serious in banks, but you can work in banks uh, or in uh, the, the local car mechanic shop. Um, and I just happened to pick this uh, this solder assembling job at this antenna company. Oh, okay. And so uh, when I left school, the day I left school, I would say no less than two days later, I got a phone call from this company saying, have you left school yet? Do you want a job? I'm, yeah, I love a job. And so I just went into it. And uh, I really like, I, I think really I got into antennas a little bit after that is, it was then I started making a connection with not just the physical product, but what I really liked is the technology that they were going on to, you know, mm-hmm. the really cool stuff that these antennas were enabling. Um, I mean, I started then, I suppose, a year or two after that. So that was nearly, 30, oh my gosh, Chris, that was nearly 30 years ago. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, we started making the first antennas for mobile phones for a company called Technophone. Mm-hmm. Technophone were later bought out by Nokia. Um, and it was, Wow, what are these? These are mobile phones. And then I just suppose it just comes from there, you know, as you start 
start seeing all these antennas going into all these different products. And even today, I still get wowed by our antennas that are going into IoT networks and just the data and the sensors and the information that's being passed and how it's passed and how it goes up to the cloud and how these networks work. That's everything, everything needs these antennas. Yeah. Yep. So the antennas themselves aren't like a, a sexy product, mm-hmm. but what it enables and the technology it exists in, you know, if you really like your gadgets and you really like technology, you get to see a lot of stuff really early on in the cycle before it's released to the market. It's really quite exciting. Yeah, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And and you know, luckily we, we work for a company where we're all over this technology as well. How much how yep. much has it changed? How much has the I'll just call it the antenna market, the antenna industry and the technology behind antennas. How much has it changed in your time, in your 30 plus years that you've been involved with it? How much, I mean, it's exploded, obviously, because everything now has an antenna, everything's connected. But just from your view, from the the ground level, working this for so long, how much has it changed and, and where do you think it will eventually, you know, end up in, say, the next five, 10 years? So... It's a lot of pressure, I, think, I know, because um, everyone's going to be listening now and thinking, okay, let me let me write this down, what Alan Spencer says. Yeah, well, they might need just a small piece of paper. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do you know, there's some things that control antennas, and that's physics, mm-hmm. and you can't cheat physics, right? But that is part of the purpose of having a good antenna manufacturing designer is you know how to leverage physics. Um, so people just continue. A mobile phones is a great example again. You, you, you think of your first mobile phone, it probably had a, a pull-out antenna on there. Right. It's retractable. Um, and then it's got just a little stub on top of your phone. Right. And then it got integrated into your phone. And all the way through that process is physics still applied, but they found different ways of using physics to their advantage in order to make the, the product work. Um, also, with the help of the network infrastructure improving, you have better signal strength as well. Mm-hmm. So it all goes hand in hand. And I think going forward, um, you know, 5G will definitely change our lives because we will now start thinking in uh, the micro wave. I'm talking of, you know, we'll get up into 28 gigs and we're, I'm talking really small, but yeah. a huge amount of antennas. So I think, I think the antenna size will shrink because of the technology that's, that's coming out. But also, I think then the, the, the sales will increase and the numbers will increase significantly um, as well. So I think that's that's one of the things. But also, I think, you know, what we've seen is a better understanding of RF uh, in the last 30 years as well. Nobody ever mentioned PIN when when I first started back in back in those days, 30 years ago. No, nobody knew about that. Right. Um, or it wasn't publicly spoken about or it wasn't very well un- understood. And so I think there's always challenges, and we're all challenging ourselves to become better. Uh, and so, you know, I think moving forward now, our, our challenge is to transition from um, uh, where we are with our materials as well. So use more different materials in order to achieve uh, maybe smaller antennas. So, for instance, you could do this with ceramics. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem is the only problem with that is you get really narrow bandwidth. GPS does that. That's great. But GPS is a narrow bandwidth technology. Um, but it's, again, it's just working with different materials in order to, to get this, this size change. But, you know, some antennas haven't changed for 30 years. I've got uh, a range of products that um, 
uh, Yagi antennas, for instance. Now, for those that you don't know what Yagi antenna is, it looks a bit like a, a TV antenna that sits on top of your roof. It's sure. not, but that's what it looks like. And that hasn't changed for 30, 40 years. Hmm. Why is so that? Same technology. Just because it works? Exactly. Yeah. It works. There's, there's no pressure on changing the size of it. Um, you know, yeah, you could, one Yagi's not the same as the other. You can make them out of different materials, but pretty much it's the same thing. Um, and we find that with some of our antennas, they're just respins of stuff that we was doing 15 years ago. Yeah, it's, you're making me think about antennas now that I've seen all my life going, yeah, I wonder why they're, they're, they're made like that, they're shaped like that, they're designed like that. Uh, I could see why it's, it's fascinating because you certainly are, you certainly know your stuff and are passionate about this. And, 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 um, you know, I think that passion hopefully will continue in, in getting, uh, more business as you, I know specifically try to, to help break into more of these markets for Amphenol Procom. I think, you know, the next step for, for us uh, as Amphenol Procom, really where we're going now is, is we're trying to build out the integration of antennas with combining a, it's called an RF board where we can put in integrated circuits and the antenna and deliver to the customer an RF board. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's next. For, that's what's next for us, certainly. Um, and I know that uh, that's really attractive to uh, to some customers. So uh, normally that would take two or three different partners to develop. We can do all of that with an Amtel Procom, and the great. Great thing about that is we take full responsibility then for that whole RF portion, rather than three companies right. arguing over which bit doesn't work and why it doesn't work. So that's uh, that's where I think we're going to go heavily leaning towards. That, yeah, we call it our, our new world. So uh, yeah, we're moving away from big old Yagi antennas on top of the roof to <laughs> uh, yeah to little RF boards going into uh, micro devices. No, that's a great point is going up just that next level to to help streamline the process for whoever customer application you're you're trying to to satisfy. So that's fantastic. Well, listen, Alan, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know uh, I caught you kind of post sickness as well, but I really do appreciate you taking time to to do this with me today. Appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Alan.